listening to Legacy Lawyers, hosted by Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. Hey, everybody. Nathan, what's going on, man? Did you hear me? I just took a drink and... Oh. I went... <sighs> no, I didn't hear you. The music is too... Too loud. Not supposed to be taking a drink. You're supposed to be food noises. Not not a good thing on a um, podcast. I, I think they don't recommend it. Uh, yeah, but well, I don't usually go with convention. We can do it however we want. So if there's a rule, I find try to find a way to break it. So although food noises, like you can get in big trouble at my house if you make food noises. Yeah. So if you're smacking your lips during dinner time, or uh, I don't know, there's just like people slurping noodles. Not there's okay. no tolerance for it. It's like they'll people will get up and leave the table, move away, <laughs> give uh, you the look of death. Like you disgust me. Well, I have a few. I have a few children that have. Are still working on that skill and so there's plenty of food noises at your house <laughs> uh, let's just yeah, say, but i mean they're let's just say if we can use the utensils we're feeling pretty good so. <laughs> but you still have kids that are of the age where that's a thing right like maybe we should use our fork today what do you think <laughs> mm-hmm. so. the other thing that is a thing at our house is like expiration dates on anything or like a hard fast whether it's and i'm like guys it's a suggestion you don't have to i mean some things yeah you don't mess with i don't know um salsa that's no it's all a suggestion so you you just have to have a designated tester in the family and luckily my sweet wife is always up for testing and seeing if it's good or not and I'm actually pretty adventurous with it. Um, <laughs> but I, there are times where if I'm really concerned, then I'll take a small bite and I'll give myself a half an hour. <laughs> so I had a buddy. Because I, I have had food poisoning a couple of times and it is not pleasant. It is not. It is not. I had a buddy who would like eat his you know, burrito in the dash of his car in the summer, right? Like he would just bring his lunch to work and just leave the burrito in its wrapper. Let the sun heat it. Just Yeah. You know how hot it gets in the car and then go get it out at lunch and it's all warm. And has he ever seen here comes the boom (laughs) with the, was it pickles? No, it's homemade applesauce. Oh yeah. (laughs) Kevin James goes after the incident, which if you haven't seen, here comes the boom. I highly recommend it, but you'll know the scene when we get, when you get to it. But he says, as they're driving away, who besides the Amish make their own applesauce. And it had been sitting in the hot car, which is why he lost the entire contents of his stomach in the middle of the fight. So. Anyway, weird way to start a podcast. I don't know. What are we going to actually talk about? Because well, I don't think this ties in perfectly with what we're talking about. 
<laughs> joint joint tenant joint ownership of assets in that, general or any specific type of asset um i'm kind of more worried about bank accounts um mm. i've seen it come up multiple times and it's and i've seen it just three or four times in the last month where well probably a month and a half time flies where it has become a big problem and we talked about it a little bit as a like subcategory of a previous podcast, but I think it deserves some a full episode of its own because like, I mean, I was talking to one client last year where they had this issue and uh, I mean, they were really upset, really upset with their sibling because of kind of, how this went down. And so we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it, but real quick. I, I also have had a family or two destroy some, well, there was already some strained relationships, but things got a lot worse because of the way a, a bank account was owned with a parent. So yeah, I've got, I've got a few horror stories that I can tell as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Before we get into them, me and Nathan are attorneys. We do practice law, but for purposes of this podcast, this is educational only. So you would need to seek your own independent legal counsel for advice for your specific situation. And you cannot rely on, you should not rely on any of um, the advice that Nathan and I provide today. So with that out of the way, let's talk about bank accounts. And what kind of becomes an issue down the road? So first of all, as we get a little old, well, little further in life, it's common for our kids to start helping us with some of our budgeting, right? Maybe they help us with making sure. You're saying us as if, like, do you have your kids already added on your bank accounts? Well, I mean, I'm just assuming, I'm just. No, but when I'm older, I will. Okay. Yeah. I don't either, just for or the I, record. Or I won't because of what I say. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you do, you'll do it the right way, which there is a right way and a wrong way. Mm-hmm. So the reason why this causes a problem is because... Maybe we should tell them what this is, because I don't think we've like definitively stated what the issue is. So. Okay. So if you own an account jointly with somebody, so we'll stick with bank accounts. Okay. Well, so then let's say my parents are to the point where they can't, or they don't want to have the responsibility of being the only person that can sign checks or call and make a transfer in a bank account. And so they say, Nathan, you're already one of our trustees on our estate plan. Um, we want to add you to our account so that you can help us with periodic or even at some point as things progress or devolve, um, maybe, maybe the day-to-day stuff in our bank accounts, right? So the, the rub, your parents add you on the bank account so you can do stuff. Yeah. So the rub, as we'll get into it, is 
what does it mean to add someone to your bank account? Well, you're just, you're just giving them <laughs> authorization to access it, right? That's all you're doing. They're just an authorized user. Well, um, no, not necessarily. I mean, that's what you're, that's probably always the intention going in. That's what most people think they did. And that's yeah. almost never what they did. That's almost never what they did. And I don't blame people trying to accomplish this. No, it makes sense from a practical standpoint. Hey, it'd be way easier for you to help me if you were on my account. No, no. I'm saying I don't blame the people that go into the bank and ask to have this done. I blame because, as you know, I will call people out on this podcast. I blame banks and credit unions for not Explaining mostly banks, but no, I'd say it's probably a equal opportunity yeah, offense. I, yeah, I, I've seen no difference between the two as far as this situation. So I'll have somebody go in and say, hey, um, I, I need to add my child to my bank account. And there's never a question. They don't ask a question like, okay, well, what do you mean add them to your bank account? By that, you mean... You mean when they pass away, they're going to get everything in the bank account? No, that's not what I mean. Well, I just want them to be able to sign checks and help me with my stuff. Okay. So that's the problem, right? That's yeah. What... Well, yeah, it is. But that's not what they got. They got no, that. So what a bonus. So I'll tell you one of mine. Um mom passes away and family is trying to wrap up her estate. There was even a, a trust. Um, daughter is the, the trustee and daughter just assumes that mom's bank account is part of the trust estate, right? That it's either owned in the trust or it's payable on death to the trust or by virtue of a pour over will it's coming into the trust one way or another they feel like it's coming into the trust so she goes and makes a deposit or makes a withdrawal from a bank account and moves that money into an account that we had created for the trust administration the crazy thing is that the bank employee should never have allowed that money to be withdrawn to begin with because they didn't have authorization to do that because we later find out um, son had been added as uh, added as someone on the bank account that the, the intention of the entire family and it was made clear by mom and everyone else that the intention at the time was so that son could help write checks um, check balances, transfer money, make phone calls, get questions answered, and so forth. But what actually occurred when they were, quote, added to the bank account, unquote, is that the bank made son a joint tenant owner of the bank account, such that when mom passed away, son became the sole owner of all the money in the bank account. In fact, the bank account is his and he can continue to use it for the rest of his life if he wants to. It's no different than a 
bank account you would own with your spouse, where if one of you dies, the other can continue to use the bank account indefinitely. So the crazy thing is I think somebody ended up getting fired from the bank because they allowed a non-account holder. This employee didn't even know to understand enough of what's going on, what was going on to, to know that they shouldn't. I mean, he daughter showed up with dad's or with mom's death certificate and procedure at that point would be to, in, in a case where it's just a, a um, mom's account would be to let them close the account, right? Mm-hmm. Make a transfer and close the account. They didn't close the account. He just made a um, daughter just took a withdrawal out of the account. And then that had to be undone. And we had frantic phone calls from the bank going, uh, and so because we were playing by the rules, we, we went ahead and had um, daughter pay that money back to that account. But then it was, then things went downhill from there because at that point in time, son learns that he is the sole owner on the bank account. And then sister and other siblings go, but bro, you remember that mom added you just to be able to help her, right? She didn't want you to get everything in that account. She didn't, she didn't intend for you to own all the money in that account. She wanted all that divided equally. In fact, brother, isn't that why you let me, daughter is saying, go in as the trustee and pull that money to begin with because I was going to pull it into the trust and divide it equally. Now, you know what? People's memories get really shaky in that scenario. He's like, yeah, no, I don't remember it that way. I, I remember a discussion with mom where, you know, because of all the extra help I was providing this, this discussion never happened. It's just that he just suddenly forgot that he was only added on there for account convenience purposes he didn't forget he just didn't care he just wanted the extra money like that's exactly right i was trying to be you were being nice no i wasn't being nice oh you were being i was gonna i was gonna throw him under the bus here in a minute oh i i i cut i was sarcastically saying oh i forgot no i don't remember that conversation no i think mom really wanted me to get all that money and that's exactly what happened he kept it all was it a lot? And it was five figures. Oh yeah, it's a good chunk. And but, so that that didn't impact his relationship with his sister, right? They were. Happy. I mean, it's crazy because because we had they actually people lawyered up, and they probably spent more money than was in the account on attorneys' fees, but people were so hot like so angry and that's typically what i see is people are so angry because they know that that's not what mom or dad intended and they know that sister or brother understood that but suddenly you know mom or dad's no longer there and in this case mom was gone and son kept the money and then you have to look at them and go, wait, they, they, have, they say to us, right? They always say, well, there has to be a way to get that back. Yeah. 
that's not the intention. There has to be a way. And, uh, and then I go, I don't care how good of a lawyer you are to defeat joint tenancy. Good luck. But, but the trust in the will says it needs to be divided. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. It says it has to be divided. So that account has to be divided. Nathan. That's the other thing that, and it should, you know, I, well, that's where the bank should have some disclaimer, like, Hey, by adding this child on the account, yes, you're given access. Any, but yeah, the the will and the uh, trust did not govern death, this account this in any account. way, shape, or form. And the beneficiary. Be I have had a few financial institutions explain that to people, and then they just go right past that stop sign and do it anyways. So, well, so oh, meaning that the. the the bank mom or dad or the sibling even though it's been explained they they add them as a joint owner anyway yeah because billy's nice he'll still share the money yeah his sibling. well and then nobody not gonna keep it that's where if i was involved i'd say well so then you understand though that even if he is nice he's giving a gift of his own money yeah. after you die to his siblings he's not distributing your money to potential your kids as inheritance I mean, in this case, it wouldn't have been enough to, it would have been small enough. It wouldn't have mattered, but that's beside the point. Here's the other thing that drives me crazy is that, so you've had an experience where banks or credit unions explain it. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever had anybody have that experience or that at least they didn't remember it, but there are some institutions where They'll go in and ask to be added as an authorized user and they'll, cause I'll instruct them, go ahead and ask to be added as an authorized user, but bring me the paperwork when you're done, because I want to double check that that's exactly what happened. And I've had people come back and they added them as a joint tenant owner. Well, I've, I've gotten mixed results on that. I've had some institutions say it's not possible to add. I have also had people say, institutions say that it's not possible. And then I've had others do it. So now I'm like, well, these guys did it, but these guys can't do it. And you know what? I think there really are enough institutional differences that there are some institutions that probably allow for an authorized users and others. It's like, you're not going to be on there doing anything unless you're a joint owner. Because we don't want the liability. Yeah, because they don't want the liability. Either you have full rights or, or you got or you have none. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, so Nathan, I mean, that just means I'm stuck. I can never use add my kids to my account without having this problem of the of them getting it all and not sharing it with their siblings. No, I didn't say that. Why are you putting words in my mouth? <laughs> That's what I heard from you. No, I said. You said I can't do it. I'm, I'm hosed. No, I said that if you do it, you have to be careful, and you have to know what you're asking for, and you have to know how to verify that you got what you were asking for, and you may even want a trusted advisor who's helping with the planning to review that with you to make sure it got done right. So, I had. Uh, so I had one of these situations come up last year and um, it, it went down a little different than yours, right? Um, and so 
what happened was the child that had moved in to take care of mom and dad. Um, yeah, this is <laughs> he, sorry. This has other potential issues too. <laughs> no, he, when mom and dad were very vulnerable, probably a good argument. They didn't have capacity, but it's really hard to make that, to prove that. Um, he took them to the bank and had them add them on the account. Right? Wasn't even their idea. Yeah, there's, I mean, the family has different, you know, I'm sure when you talk to the son, it was mom and dad's idea. When you talk to the rest of the siblings, it wasn't. So, and and it's kind of hard to believe it. And, and this son was not the power of attorney, was not the trustee, right? So he, so to add him on the account did not make sense. He wasn't the one but he was helping with some of the bills. So maybe mom and dad really did want him on there, but it, same thing, you know, when parents passed away, he kept everything in the account. He wouldn't tell the family what amount was in there. No, he just forgot that he was just supposed to be an authorized user. He didn't. Well, he thinks he, uh, he earned it. I'm kidding. When I say he forgot, that's code for, conveniently forgot yeah no 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 he no he, no most most people he like, knew exactly oh, what he was doing no this one was quite blunt about it right no like i i deserve that extra money mm-hmm. i took care of mom and dad but well so in that one you feel like he knew exactly what he's doing right from the mm-hmm. get-go yeah. and you knew and, he, and you and you feel like you knew what his plan was right from the beginning which was eventually i'll keep all the money yeah so in this other, in the case I just told you about, that was not how it was. Like it's kind of accidental. Honestly, they believed during their life or they, they believed that they had only been added as an authorized user. And then and it's only after they found out that, oh, the trustee didn't have any right to, to take money out of that account or close that account because that's my account. And once they realized the implication of that, that then that means I'm the, sole owner and there's nothing they can do to take that away from me then that's when they go oh yeah no that's exactly what dad and their mom intended yeah then their memory changes Mm -hmm. (laughs) so and and in this circumstance you know they're saying they knew by adding themselves that they were going to get what's in that account and it would supersede the estate planning documents the will and the trust and they knew you know but and and, and they, their justification was they did this extra work. And if you talk in their opinion was that's what mom and dad did want, right? They wanted them to get that account, but everyone else in the family, you know, has the different side of the story. Um, and that one, you know, that one's frustrating because um, they had set it up correct to begin with. And then the sibling undid it. Messed with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that's a thing that could definitely, I mean, that's why we have to have family members and having a regular check-in with the attorney that helped do the planning is a good idea because then you can double check those things, see if anybody's made any changes since mm-hmm. we initially, you know, executed everything and got everything lined up properly. So what is the right way to do, to go about this issue? 
you want your kid to help you with your bills, but you don't want them to get everything in the account when you die. What's uh, there's a couple options, but what's one of them that you like, Nathan? Well, I would say one of them would be make sure that you understand the difference between joint ownership and authorized user. Make sure that you work with an institution that understands that difference and actually has an option for an authorized user. And if not, then I'm pretty clear with people. I just say, you know what, if they don't have that option, then I would stop doing business with them See, and I find little, an institution that will. I have a little different approach. I don't, I just try to stay away with it completely because even if the institution tells my client it's an authorized user only, I don't trust that. Like, I'm like, well, well I only do it if I can look at the paperwork afterwards and, do, and verify yeah. that it was actually done the proper way. Yeah. But the, I, I found that hard too, because some of that paperwork, I feel like it's not clear on that issue. So, mm. But so I just, my, I just say, Hey, let's just never do that. We're not adding the kid as a, you, if you want your kid to have access to that account, then we either need to add them as a co-trustee and mm -hmm. that account be owned by the trust, mm -hmm. or we need to add them as a power of attorney and they take the power of attorney document in there and they get added as a power of attorney on the account. And then I'm, then I'm kind of very clear that that account is not going to the wrong person. Yeah, that's probably the best. That'd probably be your best practice. So I, I let me restate that. That is best practice. And that's what I would recommend to everyone. But there's some people that, um, so I'll give you an example. They have a financial institution that won't do it. And they've been there for 35 years and they have four different direct deposits and they have all their bill pays and to change accounts to go somewhere where they could put it in the trust or an add a co-trustee or add someone as a power of attorney. It just seems too hard. It's too, they don't want to do that. And I've found people that have like, extreme loyalty to a specific financial institution, which I find a little bizarre, but it's like they're enamored with the stagecoach. So they have to stay with Wells Fargo or, you know, I, I don't know, it, or they've been with a bank uh, that started out as a community bank when they were in their twenties yeah. and it's since bought out by a huge conglomerate bank, but they still feel like it's their, hometown okay. bank mm -hmm. and they know you know this the 65 year old teller that has been there for 40 years and is almost retired and they just won't change institutions so sometimes it's mom or dad don't want to leave the institution no. i've had no i've had that too nathan i've explained to the client the concern and they say mm -hmm. um, yeah a with the risk I'm just going to. So you're saying that sometimes clients, even good clients sometimes don't follow our advice. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you, you, you know, we, it's like bank account is a big risk of causing family conflict. It's going to go. It's not like, miles. it's not like it's a thing where I'm like, I got to be right. I'm the lawyer. Mm -hmm. you have to do what I say. Like, it's not that it's, 
Okay, well, let me, and then you just don't have time to tell them the three horror stories of, well, let me show you, let me tell you, because even if you do that, let me tell you how this one went down. They just shake their head and they're like, no, oh, that would never happen in my family. My family never do that. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay. Keep our fingers crossed that, that you're right. I hope you're right. And some siblings have done it. They've shared the money. Well, absolutely. Like I, I've seen them do it. And, and some siblings, it's a big enough amount of money and they understood the tax implication. And so they shared it $15,000 per sibling every year. And they did that for four years to get the account, to get it completely moved transferred over. over. Mm -hmm. Very few families have that kind of insight and or discipline to, to do that. Yeah, that's, I think that's the exception, right? The rule, the I think there's some, I think it's kind of, it could go either way. I think more times than not, people are going to be tempted to keep the extra money. Mm -hmm. um, and my, my position is like, why would we want to put your kids in that spot? It just doesn't. Yeah. We, we're going to this time trouble and expense to put up a, a good plan in place. Why do we want to leave this like chink in the armor? Yeah. This vulnerable spot where, so, so if, if you are that person that has the financial institution that you don't ever, you know, you just don't want to change anything on the account, I mean, then just, just use the power of attorney document, go ahead and give that power of attorney document to your bank, list the kids on it that you would want to have access to your account and, and just do it that way. Just yeah. But be prepared because almost, in fact, I've yet to see a, because they won't accept the regular general durable power of attorney that we spend time making as part of our plan clients plans. Most institutions won't accept those. What do you mean? And they have their own form. Um, we don't accept. I've had a lot of experiences where the financial institution will not take a general durable power of attorney prepared by a lawyer. They hand the client their, their institutional specific power of attorney form. And they say, you have to use this. When the client has capacity? Is it? Yes. Okay. What do you mean when the client has capacity? Well, so if the client's lost capacity and the backup power of attorney goes in and says, hey, I'm, I need to access this account. On the, oh, gotcha. On the no, I'm saying that they won't, they won't allow somebody to, um, without using the institution's form, they won't allow them go, go. And then, and then when you look at the, then people say, well, then why don't we just use the institution's form? Then you look at the bottom of it and it says this power of attorney expires 180 days from the date it's executed. So every six months, are you going to remember to go in and redo your institutional specific power of attorney document? Yeah, I mean, if they if they won't accept your general power of attorney document that lists your kids, I mean, I would move banks because that tells. Well, you that's that but that's the issue is that I. Sometimes I, I'll say that I would change who you bank with. No, you want, we're staying there. You want to know what's so funny about that? I had a power of attorney document we I prepared once that did have a termination. Right, this is good for two years. The client was going on a mission. Right, they're going to be gone for two years. Power of attorney is good for two years. 
Mm-hmm. The bank wouldn't accept it because it did have a termination date, and they said they will only accept it if it has no termination date. And that's crazy. And I'm like, there's no basis. Mind there's blown. no basis in law. Well, I sent them the statute that says, "Oh my gosh, that's not what Utah law says." <laughs> and I'm like, they just have people in some back office making up rules. Just yep. what, what's what's a funny rule we can make up today? Let's let's not accept power of attorneys that have a termination date. Yep. And you'd think that institutions would be consistent. If it's a credit union, all credit unions should function the same, right? They're all governed by the same federal and state rules. No. Then you'd think, well, at least a credit union that has multiple branches, the branches are going to behave the same, right? No. No. I had a client go in, try to open... Somebody at that branch had a bee in their bonnet over the fact that the title of the trust included the word investment. (laughs) And they said, under no circumstance do we open a bank account for any type of investment trust. They're acting like this was some specific role, publicly (laughs) traded investment trust, you know, like, I don't know, like a REIT. And, and I'm like, it's just a name. Like it's not a specific type. We just used investment as part of the name. And the aggravating part about this is that like, I got on the phone with the branch manager. They said, nope, we can't do it. We've talked to legal. Um, I was going to get on with legal because they swore legal would affirm this. But the thing that was so aggravating to me is that this was a, this is a widely known credit union here in the Intermountain area. And I have multiple clients. And so the next next time I had a client that had to set up where I use the word investment in their trust name, had to use that same institution. I was like, oh my gosh, I blacked out all the information that identified the client that they just opened this, this same institution, different branch, opened a bank account for a trust that had the word investment in it, an investment trust. I blanked all that out because I, my client at the, in the first instance thought that I had screwed up, you know, like, why did you put the word investment in there? Like, Mm -hmm. you've just made this so difficult for us. And I'm like, no, I have like probably 50 people that have opened trust accounts just like this one with that name in the, with the exact, the only thing that changed was the family name and they seemed to not believe me. So that's why the second I, the next one came up, I blacked out all the information. I scanned that and sent it to them. And I said, see, I'm telling you that it was somebody at that branch and they were blown there. They were blown away. They're like, they wrote back. They're like, that is unbelievable. And they had since already moved on to another institution. They said, hey, we'll just go to another bank but, or credit union. And and not that you, I hope our listeners aren't like, oh, so Nathan holds grudges. And years later, when somebody <laughs> hasn't believed him, then he's got to be right. So no, I mean, it was within a matter of a couple of weeks. And so I saw it and I was like, they just opened a, that, that institution, different branch just opened an account that their legal department was claiming could never be Impossible. done, had never been done. Here's another, here's one that they just did it. And so oh, I had probably, to just. 
you could have, could have probably looked at our old client list and found. Oh, and I could have, but I didn't have time to do that. Yeah. And that's what I told my, this client, as I said, no, I've done this multiple, multiple, multiple times at this institution for, for years. And this is the first time. for years. And this is the first time I've had somebody get upset because the word investment was used in the trust name. So two weeks later, when another client opened a similar exact type of account for the exact type of trust included the word investment. I was like, see, so that's why I brought it to their attention just because it was still fresh, but why am I going off on this? Because you can have a financial institution that there's differences in how they treat a specific situation between branches. Yeah, and I mean, mind-boggling. It's a little that'd be like that'd be like a grocery store chain will do a return on a certain item in one store, but. No, we don't take um, we don't take two liter bottles of Sprite back at this store. But your other store does. Yeah, we don't. Legal doesn't let us at this store. Yeah, we call legal. Our legal department said no returns on Sprite. It's like, <laughs> oh, come on. That's what they say when they don't want to. Now, sometimes they really check with them, but I've had I've I've questioned that a few times. So. I don't know. I, you definitely don't want to add the kid on the account. And if your bank gives you a hard time to use one of the other methods, then it's probably a red flag that that institution is going to be hard for your kids to work with when you pass away anyways. Mm-hmm. So it maybe start transitioning to a new institution. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion, but Okay. Um, anything else on joint accounts, Nathan? No, I think, yeah, I, I think that I'm going to try to start steering away from it after this. Like it's brought back so many bad memories that I think you're right. We need to I've, I've been skip it if at all possible. People really like it though. It's weird. I'm like, yeah, can we not do it that way? I would really. Well, it is nice. Really like, and you better. do, you've seen clients where they're just not in a, I mean, there's, there's some that, that I've had ones where mom's blind or um, it's hard not to say, well, yeah, you need somebody to help do your banking. Um, I've had people where dad's 96 and he's just tired and he doesn't really care anymore about much you know he just wants to be comfortable and he's earned his right at 96 years old to not have to be bothered with certain things so i think there is still a place for it but i think you're right make him a power of attorney or Adam is a co-trustee to the trust. And at that point, the bank has no way they can deny somebody. If it's a trust-owned bank account and the child is a co-trustee, yeah, that, that's probably the absolute safest. And it's the, the way that mm-hmm. and it's the way that an institution can't, you know, balk it allowing it to happen. Now they can balk it allowing it to be set up that way to begin with, but once it's done. 
that child as a trustee has rights to be in that bank account without having joint ownership. Mm-hmm. And, and But that child who acts, see, here's the difference. If I had a child on my account as a joint owner, they have no fiduciary duty to me to use to use that money for my dad. Oh, it's theirs just as much as it is yours. They could go pull every dime out and keep it. So if I become incapacitated and that child's managing my finances and let's say, hey, you know, I'm going to use a, some of mom and dad's money to help me out this month. That's fine under the rules. They're a joint owner. Yeah, there's nothing that can stop people from doing that. But if the account is owned by a trust and they're on there as a co-trustee with you, they still have a fiduciary duty to use all assets for your benefit. So if the child mismanages those funds when our clients are incapacitated, they would be obligated to return those funds. And they have a fiduciary duty even after they've passed away to the other beneficiaries of the trust to make sure those pro- the, the, the account um, proceeds get distributed the way the trust says they should be. So you avoid the whole issue of, oh yeah, suddenly I'm going to do whatever I want with the entire account and, I, and I'm leaving with the money. And also if it's owned by the trust, it's harder for another child to have mom and dad go in and add them on the account because when they go, they say, Hey, why don't you add me on the account? The bank will be like, okay, well, they're not a trustee. So you need to go, mm-hmm. you, need to, you need to execute a legal document, adding them as a trustee. And then they call the attorney. Well, cause then they're going to say, okay, well, where's, do you have the document and we'll execute it right now. And they'll say, no, you have to go talk to the attorney that helped you prepare your trust. Mm-hmm. To add and then the our phone rings and then we can, investigate we can assist we can counsel we can mm-hmm. we can say yeah you can add them as a co-trustee why are we making the change does this seem normal and if there's some red flags and we can maybe say hey you sure you want to do this and you would then, talk to the existing trustees about it yeah and sometimes sometimes we can and can't do that depending on all the confidentiality stuff and stuff they've signed but we might be able to say, Hey, I think this needs to be a family conversation before you guys make this change. I mean, even if we can't do it ourselves, we say, you know, this is something that you should discuss with the family. It's still not a big deal to add them, right? Because let's say we add them as a co-trustee. Well, they still have a fiduciary duty. And when mom and dad dies, they still don't keep those accounts. Mm -hmm. They still have to divide them. So they're still bound by the trust. So even if the kid's got this scheme that, Hey, I'm going to get out of the account so I can take control of it and use it when mom and dad dies. Well, the trust prevents that in the sense of if they did it, there would be legal recourse and they would have breached their duty and and the other siblings could ask for that money back. Yeah. So that's, that's by far the, the gold standard that we should just be using. Yeah. Okay. Nathan, I'm glad we got that off your chest i know it's been simmering now if we could just do something about the food noises i'm gonna have another drink of my shake okay when you do that i'm gonna i'm gonna chew the ice oh my gosh all right we better go before nathan i'm gonna make my kids listen to this episode they're the ones that don't like the ice and the food noises at the end it's your kids, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Shannon too. I was gonna say Shannon's fine with them. <laughs> no, it's Shannon. Shannon doesn't like them either. Nobody likes the food noises. 
mean, I'll be honest, I don't like food noises either, but I'm not like acutely tuned into it to the point where if somebody's making food noises three rooms away, I go, who's chewing their chips? <laughs> that may or may not have happened at your house before. May or may not have. <laughs> okay, everyone, thanks so much for joining us. Catch you next time. You've been listening to Legacy Lawyers with Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. We give you the juicy detail of cases that our law firm has dealt with. We take out the lawyer talk and legalese and show you what options some of our clients had to choose from to fix their situation. The effects of not doing planning can be devastating. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook and Instagram at Voyant Legal. Call us at 801-951-0500 or send us an email at team at voyantlegal.com. And for commonly asked questions, hit voyantlegal.com slash resources. We'll see you next time.